Well, uh, Kathy's leaving tomorrow for Nashville to start her new career. <laughs> we will miss you. And um, it didn't get past us that Nathan is Suzanne's son. The apple doth not far fall from, far fall from, you know what I mean. <laughs> you dropped close to the trunk. <laughs> Thank you both. On this first Sunday of Lent, we come to the third beatitude in our series. It's found in Matthew 5.5. 5. Blessed are the meek, Jesus said, for they will inherit the earth. The word of the Lord. Now, I'd like to make a disclaimer. I am getting ready to talk 15 to 20 minutes about a subject I personally know absolutely nothing about. Uh, That won't be the first time I've done that. Meekness is not in my wheelhouse, but I've been with you a year at the end of this month, if you can believe it, so I guess you've already figured that out. I led staff devotions on Tuesday. They meet as a team, and we have devotions and pray for um, many people in the congregation. And um, I do the devotions on Tuesday mornings, and I'm taking them through these um, Beatitudes. So I asked the question, who do you know who is meek? Who do you know who is meek? And they uh, didn't mention me, but they did mention uh, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, the famed baseball player Jackie Robinson, do you know his story, retired Indianapolis Colts coach Tony Dungy, a meek man, Martin Luther King Jr., and last but not least, Mr. Rogers. Now, don't uh, take Fred Rogers too lightly. A Presbyterian minister uh, was Mr. Rogers. In 1969, you may know this, but Fred Rogers appeared before the Senate Subcommittee on Communications and basically single-handedly saved public television with his argument that this venue would bring quality programs for children and their families. But he didn't stop there. He won the right for you to record TV shows on your DVR. And here was his reasoning in that parents are at work, and if they can record these shows, they can come home and watch them together as a family. So as I record, well, I won't be recording the Duke-Carolina game anymore, but... um, (laughs) As I record uh, golf tournaments and things that I like to, Catherine, I like to re- uh, record, think about it. Little meek, mild Mr. Rogers with his sweater and coming in to, you know, just a wonderful day in the neighborhood, stood up before a commission and saved public television, which is an awesome venue, and gave you the right to record programming. Meek is not weak. But aren't we prone to think of meekness? When I read this beatitude, I thought, well, you know, how, we, how what am I going to do with this? 
we're prone to think of meekness as weakness. Meek people are sort of soft-spoken. Some of them might even say come across as a doormat. They're not the kind of people you make CEOs out of. And how many of us actually intentionally teach our children to be meek? You know, had a lesson on meekness. I never talked to my children about being meek. I always talked about grades, getting ahead, surviving, uh, being successful. We go to leadership seminars. Who would ever go to a meekness seminar? And we buy books on being leaders and being successful. Who reads a book on how to be meek? I've never read such a book. John Steinbeck wrote, The things we admire in people, like kindness and generosity and openness and honesty and understanding and feelings, are the concomitants of failure in our system of success. The things we detest like sharpness, greed, meanness, egotism, and self-interest are the traits of success. And while people admire the qualities of the first, they love the produce of the second. It's kind of sad. Why does Jesus bless meekness? There's obviously something here we might be missing if we see meekness as weakness, and yet he blesses those who are meek. What he can't be doing is blessing weakness. Why would God want you to be weak? And lots of the Bible talks about making you strong, wings like eagles, and never uh, failing or fainting. He even refers to himself, Jesus does, as being meek when he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And we certainly don't think of Jesus as being a weak character, uh, do we? So he's obviously, when he takes this beatitude and says, Blessed are the meek, he's blessing a different kind of strength. Now, I love the game of golf. As many of you know, the game does not always love me. Um, in fact, I've thought about getting a divorce from it many, many times. It's a crazy game that the Scots created to make the rest of the world mad. <laughs> but there's one aspect of the game that applies to this concept of meekness. You would think that the harder you swing at a golf ball, the further the ball would go. And for 30 years, I've tried that. But it's not true. Swinging harder does not always produce a better shot. Strength is important in golf, and you see that in Tiger Woods and now Roy and and all the rest of them go to the gym, whereas in the old days, golfers kind of smoked cigarettes and walked around and played golf. Now they're all buffed up. Strength is important, but timing is everything. The most powerful golf swing is the one that is strength under control. Strength under control. It's not raw power. If it was, anybody could do it. It's disciplined power. And I think this is the meekness of which Jesus is speaking. It's not aggression. Pure, raw aggression, showing power, flexing muscles, It's a different kind of strength that Jesus is blessing in this beatitude. 
And that's true in a lot of things in life, isn't it? The show of force, military force, loading up the, uh, the aircraft carriers and sending them to a country, overpowering people does not produce peace. It's just dominance producing submission. But it's not true peace. As soon as you're gone and the military leaves, things go back to where they were. You can't bully your spouse by trying to dominate him or her into a better marriage. I've tried that too, and that doesn't work. (laughs) You can't spank your children into being better people. If that was true, there'd be a lot of great people in the world. But the harder you hit your child is not going to make them a, a better person in society. In fact, some parents spank children for hitting children, other children. That's got to be weird to the kid. Johnny, come here. Did you hit that kid in preschool? Yes, Daddy, I did. Come here. I'm going to beat you. Don't ever do that again. I got it. I totally understand this. The show of force does not always create the kind of strength we're looking for, does it? You can't go to work tomorrow, throw your weight around as the boss, and expect for everybody to respect you. You showed your power, you showed your might, you flexed your muscles. But it's a raw use of your power. Jesus blesses meekness. What is it? It's strength under control. It's being able, he goes on in the Sermon on the Mount and talks about turning the other cheek. That's a different kind of strength, to be able to turn the cheek. He talks about going an extra mile, different kind of strength. He talks about loving even your enemy. And he talks a lot about forgiveness, letting it go, pardoning those who have sinned against you. And you can't do any of that if your ego is in the way and you're flexing your muscles and showing power and retaliating, all of that gets in the way. Anybody can prove they're powerful. Not everybody knows how to use their power. Mary Kay, our, uh, for those of you listening online and visitors and all, Mary Kay's our associate for pastoral care. And in this staff meeting, we were talking about this and she said, uh, I've got a definition of ego. And it's an acronym, E-G-O. Uh, ego stands for edging out God. Or God out, sorry. (laughs) Never could spell. (laughs) And I'd never heard that before, but I thought that was, you know, it's kind of stuck with me. Edging God out, ego. Now, some ego's healthy. You have to have a healthy ego to love yourself. But when you're egotistical, you have too much ego, and you start elevating yourself above others at all costs. You also edge God out. Meekness is the exact opposite. It's a totally different kind of strength, isn't it? In Greek mythology, you may remember the story of Narcissus, a beautiful but vain young man. At 16 years of age, he had spurned every young woman who was in love with him. And one day while hunting, he encountered a nymph named Echo. Now, Echo had been cursed, another story, to where she could only repeat the last lines of someone else's voice, but she had no voice of her 
own. She fell in love with Narcissus, and he broke her heart. So she prayed to the god of Nemesis. You know, when you say, that's my nemesis, god of Nemesis is a god of revenge. And prayed to Nemesis that, that Narcissus might be punished. And so Nemesis cursed Narcissus by causing him to fall in love with himself in the reflection of a pool to the point that he could not leave that reflection. He couldn't nourish himself, couldn't eat, couldn't drink, and he withered and he died by that pool in his own excessive self-love. And the Narcissus flower that we have today sprung up in that very spot where young Narcissus died. Well, from that um, Greek mythology, we glean the word narcissistic, narcissistic personality disorder, one who is turned in upon themselves. Such a life looks like it's strong. When you meet a narcissistic person, they look like strength because they're overshooting the runway. And they take all the oxygen out of the room And they come across extremely powerful and extremely confident. But if you pull the curtain back, there's just a little man or woman back there pulling the levers. Pay no attention to that little person behind the curtain. You've seen The Wizard of Oz, right? Narcissism is a cover for insecurity. The exact opposite of what it looks like. It's not true power. It's not true strength, and people wither in their narcissism because they cut themselves off from nourishment from others. Maybe it's why Jesus blessed meekness and not narcissism. He didn't say, blessed are the narcissistic, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. No, he said, blessed are the meek, the exact opposite of narcissism. Now, here's where I struggle with all this when you get to the end of it. How, does, how do you go about making yourself meek? I mean, you get up in the morning and say, I'm going to be meek today. And it's almost like a cartoon because it's like, I am too meek. You know, now sit down, move over and get out of my way. You know what the official definition of the type A personality is? Here it is, quote, A temperament characterized by excessive ambition, aggression, competitiveness, drive, impatience, need for control, focus on quantity over quality, and unrealistic sense of urgency. It is commonly associated with risk of coronary disease and other stress-related ailments. End quote. Ouch. (laughs) Do any of you know anybody like that? And sometimes you can be a B-plus, by the way, or an A-minus. If you ever meet an A-plus, you probably won't talk to them long. How can a person like that just wake up or hear the Bible today and go home and say, I'm just going to be meek? I'm just going to start being meek. Good luck. Paul asked a question to the Corinthians. Now, you have to get the Corinthians in context. Corinth was like Las Vegas is to us. If you go over to Corinth, you'll you'll see it's a big port city. A lot of sailors came in from different directions, and the prostitutes were there, and the the gambling, and the drinking, and the partying. I mean, Corinth was was a real Las Vegas. And so when Paul writes to Corinth, and he creates a church in Corinth, he's he's writing to people in Las Vegas. 
And when he writes 1 Corinthians 13, you remember love is patient and kind. We always read it at weddings. I always get a little tickled. The bride and the groom were up there. We're reading 1 Corinthians 13. And I know that it was written to a bunch of sinful people in, in Las Vegas. And yet the bride and groom just are in such a la-la land that, you know, they, they're so naive. Um, as to, <laughs> I just want to wake them up and go, listen to this. You're going to need it. Paul asked the Corinthians this question. Oh, let me say this. If, when you get over there, you'll see lots of ruins of really large temples are in Corinth. So even though it was Las Vegas, they wanted to make sure all the gods were happy. Maybe because they were so sinful, they wanted to make sure the gods didn't turn against them. So they built these huge temples and there's columns left over. And, and so they weren't godless in a sense. They were, but they weren't, you know, it was like a rabbit foot. All these temples were like rabbit, uh, like a rabbit's foot. You just rub them and hope you have good luck. So when Paul writes this, this is crazy for them to hear this. He writes, do you not know to the Corinthians that you are God's temple? You are God's temple. And that God's spirit dwells in you. Now listen, folks, this was radical thinking. This was like, what are you saying? The God of the, the God of all gods dwells in me and human flesh as sinful as I am. You're saying that I'm a container for the holy? This was the message of Christianity. Christ dwells in you through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, if that's true then even a type A plus has a chance at being meek because it's not his or her meekness that they have to manufacture. It's the meekness of God that dwells within us. I'm not creating meekness. I'm tapping into a meekness that's already within me and allowing it to manifest itself in my spirit. Paul writes to them, It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. So my character is getting mingled and mixed up with his character. So he begins to look like me. I begin to look like him. And a very strong, mature Christian, sometimes you can't tell the difference. Who am I looking at? Christ? You? You got lost in there. That's the point. It is no longer I who lives. So when you look at the church, of course we're hypocrites. When you look at who we are, of course we're sinful. When people come and say, I want to be a part of this, but y'all are messed up, of course we are. Come join us. You're messed up too. You'll fit right in. When people leave this church and go to another church because this church isn't good enough, I always say, well, I'm sorry to lose them, but the problem is they're taking themselves with them. Meekness is not human manufactured. It belongs to God. It belongs to Christ. We tap into it. It taps into us as a work of the Holy Spirit. And during Lent, which we're in, I would encourage you to find a practice that would begin to cultivate this during this season as we move towards Easter You know, the old Lent, a lot of times we write Lent off and say it's Catholic. It's not Catholic. It's a a discipline of the church. I mean, it is Catholic, but it's a discipline of the church. 
And for a long time, people said, well, I'm going to give up chocolate. I'm going to give up alcohol. I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up. And then they tell everybody what they're giving up, which kind of blows, you know, the humility of it. But I started stopping some things that would help me realize today is a Lent day. Things that I would do in my day that I stopped doing so it would remind me, ah, it's still Lent. But I also started adding something. Whether that's not going to my computer right away in the morning, but having a time to read something that will bring that meekness, that spirit of Jesus up into my radar. So that I'm not only taking away, but I'm adding. So these 40 days and nights of Lent begin to cultivate a new and a fresh in me, a sense of the Spirit of God alive and at work in me. And listen, it's very easy for this stuff to go dormant. It's very easy for it to just lie at the bottom. And it takes some discipline, which is discipleship, to pull it up and keep it up and to keep it in your consciousness. Jesus thought about this stuff. Listen, This is his third beatitude. There's eight of them. He didn't wait till he got to number eight, which eight's pretty strong in itself, but he didn't put meekness at the end as an afterthought. He didn't say, oh, yeah, I ought to throw meekness in. It's number three. So in essence, he knows unless humans can get their ego out of the way, unless human beings can get away from the pool of their own reflection and live in community with others, and admit their own limitations, they'll never get this presence of God in their life. They're going to miss it. It's going to pass them by. So he put it third, and he blessed it this way. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. It's a different kind of strength. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.